You're listening to The Chamber Connection, a monthly podcast from your Fargo-Moorhead West Fargo Chamber of Commerce, where we go behind the scenes to talk about business, community, and leadership, and uncover what's shaping our region and our future. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Chamber Connection. I'm your host today, Katie Mastell, Government Affairs and Advocacy Manager at The Chamber. Thank you so much for tuning in. Civic engagement and community education is a top priority for the Chamber. Our team closely follows all local, state, and national elections so we can share information on candidates and issues with you. In the recent North Dakota primary, two women were elected to their respective city commissions, and today I'm so honored to chat with them both. Arlette Preston and Mandy George are here with me today sharing their stories, priorities, and perspectives. I'm going to start by talking with Arlette from the Fargo City Commission, but please stay tuned to hear from Mandy in West Fargo next. So Arlette, thank you so much for joining me here today. Thank you for inviting. Absolutely. So we'll start before we jump into the policy side of things. uh, Let's first just chat about your history in public service. So I know you previously served on the Fargo City Commission from 1992 to 2000. So 20 years later now, what was your motivation to jump back into service? Yeah, it's been 20 years. Wow, that's hard to believe. Um, Actually, I've been uh, continuing involvement in the city mostly around neighborhood issues, those kinds of things. And um, because of that, uh, got interested in running again. Saw that uh, there were neighborhood issues that weren't being taken care of. Uh, So I was motivated mostly by trying to do something about those. Absolutely. So we're certainly living in different times right now than we were, especially with this pandemic. What was your campaign experience different now as in, in 1992 and 1996 when you ran, especially with the global pandemic right now? I think the question would be what wasn't different, which was basically nothing. Um, it was very, very different. The ability to do any kind of uh, door-to-door was impossible. We couldn't do that. Uh, Group gatherings weren't uh, possible. And uh, so a lot of the campaign really relied on social media, email, uh, electronic communications, did a lot of Zoom kind of things. Um, So it was totally different. Um, You know, I, I think because of that also, I ended up doing more media kind of things as well. So, yeah, it was it was really different. Yeah, that's interesting, especially with not being able to gather at all. How yeah. do you get your message out? Yeah. yeah. So what kind of unique ways did you try to connect with your voters or constituents? You know, we tried some Zoom meet and greets. <laughs> um, it was basically for the purpose of just letting people get to know me. And um, it was organized by other individuals that had their own network kind of thing. And that worked mm, not as well as if it would have been face-to-face, but it worked. Uh, So that was probably the most unique thing. Used, again, used Facebook and social media a lot more than I did last time. So Right, yeah, and it seems like social media has kind of been on the rise as a national trend for campaigns at all levels, but certainly at the local level like this. Do you see that from this pandemic and the election process campaigning, do you think that there's going to be a shift in, in how it goes in the future years of campaigning? Oh, yeah, definitely. The other thing that I did use was texting, which I had never used before. Uh, and found that it works really well. So that was more of a a get-out-the-vote kind of approach, trying to encourage people, especially with uh, voting by mail because it was so new, 
trying to encourage people to make sure they sent their application in and then checking back with them to make sure that they sent their ballot in. So, yeah, I think that's going to be part of the landscape for for campaigning from now on. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, as you as you talk about getting people involved and engaged in that kind of way to send in their application and and do their um, voting through ballots or whatever way that it was in person or that kind of thing for the future. um, What advice do you have for other people that are looking to get involved maybe in the in the community or thinking about running for office sometime in their lives? You know, the best way to start is just to get involved in something in your community, whether that's a a church board or church committee, um, PTA, um, anything uh, that will start to get you introduced to larger community-wide kind of issues. And then there's always boards and commissions at the city and or the county as well as I think the park district also has some school district I know has committees that uh, pull in people uh, to to serve on. So encourage um, individuals out there to to do that. Volunteer. Yeah. Put their name up forward. Absolutely. Yeah. Putting the name forward is the first start. So kind of just a fun spinoff from that question. Do you remember what one of your first like elected offices or on a board or kind of involvement in your community was prior to being a city commissioner the first time around? You know, I, I came up through the nursing profession. I am a nurse and I started to get involved in my professional organization. And that's really what introduced me to the political arena. That's the other side. I mean, if an individual wants to get involved on their on their professional uh, side, that's another way to, to introduce yourself to political arena. Uh, so at any rate, I got involved in the local district nurses association. I think that was the first. Um, I can't even remember what committee it was. I think it was government relations committee. Well, that fits. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Interesting. Yeah, it's funny how those things can kind of progress and how yeah. it can take you different directions. So yep. certainly yep. good advice. Uh, so since you've been elected then, Arlette, I mean, what's been your biggest surprise or what's changed the most since 2000 when you were in the city commission before? What hasn't changed? <laughs> um, you know, certainly um, COVID, the coronavirus is such a major issue right now and that certainly didn't exist 20 years ago Um, and all of the uh, unrest in relationship to George Floyd's murder Um, the Black Lives Matter the one Fargo group um, you know the protests and the marches and the rallies that they've organized have really brought issues to the forefront which the city is addressing trying to address Um, So those are the two major things that have changed a lot. Otherwise, I think the structure, you know, issues inside City Hall are, yeah, I mean, there's certainly some of the major issues that I was dealing with back in the the 90s are still there, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, But some of it is also just things that cycle around, like the Land Development Code is being revised, which is basically the uh, city code that guides development um, that's being revised. Well, we re- revised that about 25 years ago when I was on the city commission. So uh, I guess what comes around goes around. And 
whatever. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It goes around, comes around, whatever. <laughs> whatever the saying is, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you brought up some, you know, s- certainly critical issues that Fargo is facing right now um, and is sure to come up in the future as well until we address them. Um, so switching to some kind of policy questions or issue questions for, for our listeners. Um, so recently, the Fargo City Commission tentatively committed the $1.5 million for the Cass County Career Workforce Academy over the five years. And this obviously demonstrated the city's commitment to workforce issues, which is great. Uh, the chamber also has this topic and the project itself as a top priority. So what other ways do you think that the city can engage themselves as part of this workforce solution? Yeah, I was glad to see the Career Workforce Academy coming forward. I think um, the more that we can integrate uh, technical education into the K through 12 um, school experience, I think the better. So that's good. I was glad that, that that came forward. I do think the city plays a real central role in more quality of life issues that are important when somebody is deciding whether they are going to settle in Fargo or not. Um, so housing, um, it needs to be attainable and affordable and not only rental housing, but um, ownership. And we've got a problem there. Uh, we have basically the ratio of ownership to rental is upside down in Fargo. 60% owner, or excuse me, 60% rent and 40% own. It's totally um, uh, opposite of, of what the rest of the nation is. So there's an issue there, and I don't know exactly what's causing that. So uh, doing some study to try to figure that out and correct it, um, making sure that we have housing that young families, as they relocate to Fargo, can attain and uh, can afford. So housing is one. Um, other amenities like arts and cultural experiences, um, recreational experiences, all of those, the city plays a part, a, a role in. So um, really working on those amenities that will attract people. The quality of life issues, um, you know, it also includes diversity. Um, young professionals today look for that kind of community, I believe, more than in past decades and um, making sure that we have an open, welcoming community. And, um, you know, that's more of a bully pulpit kind of issue than it is anything more specific, but making sure that all of our language, all of our materials are are, um, uh, encouraging a diverse population to move in and live here. Yeah, great points. I know with Fueling Our Future, the initiative that the Chamber is in partnership with the EDC on is kind of working on that through Campus FM, an initiative working on the place, the quality of life, people, workforce. And it really is just kind of a collaborative effort, it seems like, and definitely need all different aspects of it from jobs to arts and culture and all these different things that young people are taking into consideration, like you're saying. So that will be interesting to see what we can do in that area. Yeah. You know, I think... And I haven't seen the stats, but certainly we have a pretty heavy reliance on service industry for jobs. And they're not always the best paying. Um, So the other side of it is working with the chamber and other uh, economic development groups to try to encourage, um, you know, businesses to 
to grow from, I, I'm a real believer in uh, organic business development. Um, that's what I was in. I, I was in a small business that started off with just a few employees and ended up with a number, close to 100. Um, so, you know, that encouragement, the support for that organic business development is so important. And again, that's more of a bully pulpit, perhaps, that the city plays. But um, working with the other groups to encourage that kind of development, I think, is important. Yeah, sounds like collaboration will definitely be vital for that issue and many others. Uh, and staying kind of on that track, then, with collaboration, the Chamber definitely strongly supports a regional approach to our communities um, through things like Fueling Our Future and other issues that we're working on. So as a new city commissioner, how do you believe the city of Fargo can collaborate with neighboring cities and support this greater regional agenda? One of the things, actually, that we're starting to have some discussion with the um, Community Land Trust, which is a new uh, organization in town to uh, work towards more affordable housing, is a housing study across the metro area. Um, you know, Fargo is upside down in its ownership rental rate, but the other two communities are closer to and probably are at the national average. So looking at that metro-wide, I think, is important um, to try to figure out where the gaps are. Uh, there's certainly a lot of activity going on with water, uh, water utilities, as well as storm sewer and or not storm sewer. I'm sorry, um, sewer uh, treatment, those kinds of things. We probably can do more that way too. Landfill is another another cooperative uh, agreement between the communities. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's other areas probably that we can embark on as well. Uh, those are the ones I can think of at this point. Absolutely. I'm sure there'll be more as you continue through as well. Um, so now that you've been elected to the Fargo City Commission, what have you identified as some of your top priorities? And specifically from a business perspective, then how do you plan to move our community forward? Well, the top priorities right now is getting through COVID and getting the businesses back on their feet and operating in a healthy, healthy way. Um, and that truly is just managing this process um, as well as we can. So uh, we are actually hopefully going to embark on a, uh, some kind of public relations campaign or public awareness campaign, try to increase the number of people that are wearing masks when they go into public spaces, um, get people to understand the importance of that. Um, so you know, working on trying to minimize the impact of that virus is is top priority right now. Um, I also think that dealing with the racial equity issues that have been brought to our attention, um, the school district has hired a director of inclusiveness, um, inclusive, I, I think it's called director of inclusiveness and equity, something like that. Um, and the city probably should look at something as, like that as well. Um, certainly our, our leadership, the city hall, everything that we have influence over that way should look more like the community probably. Um, and uh, efforts to try to move in that direction would be a priority of mine. Neighborhood issues, and I'm talking more the probably the older aging neighborhoods, um, need some support and 
there's some things that are in place that can be enhanced, but some new programs that need to be put in place to, to help keep that core neighborhood healthy. And, and actually, that's probably where starter homes um, are located for individuals that are coming into the community. So those core neighborhoods are important. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there's been a lot of talk with the core neighborhoods, the core neighborhood study plan, that kind of thing. Can you give our listeners an update on where that's at currently as it sits? Yeah, I'd say the initial um, study is probably about halfway through. Uh, I, if I remember correctly, I think the final report is going to be coming in October, November, somewhere in that that area. An inventory has been done uh, on the homes in the core neighborhoods to try to get a handle on how many were, um, at least from the outside, look like they could use some help. And um, that has been completed. Um, there have been, um, there's information that have been gathered from all of the commun- all of the neighborhoods in regards to ideas of how they could approve um, the neighborhoods. So I think what's gonna come out of this um, the report will probably have some strategies that are um, geared towards individual neighborhoods because each individual neighborhood has different issues. So um, the report that we'll see in a few months will will have d- uh, more clear strategies for each each one of those neighborhoods, which will be really helpful. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to seeing more about that too and, and what's found through that study, definitely. So just kind of uh, switching gears, but staying on the COVID side of things, tell us what it's like kind of to be a city commissioner right now with COVID at the forefront of things. What are the happenings of the city commission? What practices or protocols have you guys had to take in into consideration for some of our listeners that maybe don't follow the city commission as closely? Well, for one thing, there's a lot more meetings that are virtual. Um, that's not always so good. I tend to function better when it's face-to-face, so (laughs) that's been an adjustment. Um, You know, I think we're all just watching it carefully and closely. Uh, The numbers have been pretty good up till this last week. We started to see it go up a little bit again, Um, so we're watching that carefully. I think what we'll need to deal with, and it came up in the last city commission meeting, was whether we would go to mandatory mask wearing. And, um, you know, there's some other public health initiatives that could probably be looked at. Uh, The public awareness uh, campaign will hopefully get that kicked off. And, um, you know, hopefully the the reason that we're even considering mandatory, mandatory masks, and let me tell you, we've gotten a lot of feedback just from that being a very short conversation at the commission meeting, we've gotten a lot of emails. Um, and they've been on both sides, but most of them have been supportive of it. The reason we would do that is to keep our businesses open. And, um, you know, if people will follow those good public health um, practices, masks, hand washing, social distancing, those kinds of things. Uh, hopefully we can keep the restaurants and bars and everything else open. Uh, if it gets to the point where, you know, we get to the point like Florida or Texas even, um, you know, staying at home might be another option further down the road. Hopefully not. That's what we're trying to avoid. 
<laughs> so that's probably the biggest challenge that we're facing with COVID. Yeah, very interesting. So then kind of a wrap up before we turn over to Mandy here. Uh, what's the most important thing that you'd like listeners to walk away with from this episode knowing? You know, I'd probably go back to the mask wearing. <laughs> um, being a nurse, um, uh, COVID is, is definitely uh, front and center right now. So just encourage people. You know, it's not, it's not government overreach. It truly is being concerned about individuals around you. It's, you know, wearing a mask is not going to keep you healthy. It's going to keep those around you healthy. And um, there may be a friend that uh, for some reason their immune system is not working like it should. And if you ever um, got to the point where you actually passed this virus to a good friend, um, you know, you'd feel awful. So wear a mask. That is probably the best thing that you can do. Okay. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Arlette, and for sharing all of that about your priorities and your perspectives. We look forward to working with you in the future as well. Now we'll switch over to Mandy here. Well, thank you, Mandy, for being here today and sitting down with us. Um, now that we've talked to Arlette, have a few questions for you, new city commissioner over in West Fargo. So thank you for joining today. Thank you so much, Katie. It's my pleasure to be here. Awesome. Well, thinking back to just when you started wanting to run for the West Fargo City Commission, what entered your mind? What was like your biggest motivation or factor of why you decided to run? My biggest motivation was I really wanted to give back to the community. I've lived in this area pretty much my entire life. I've just come to really love this community, what it has to offer, you know, between the great parks, the great schools, great jobs, low crime rate. It's just, it's where I wanted to raise my daughter. And I just really wanted to give back and help people with you know, whatever I could do to help with this great community. That's awesome. Well, that seems like a, a good genuine motivation for running. So that's awesome. Um, so your experience as a political candidate for the first time here, and I know we were chatting a little bit before this episode started. It's a little bit different probably than you um, maybe had anticipated it'd be. So how, how is it different or similar than what you expected, you know, especially with this global pandemic, certainly? Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started running, um, I did, of course, a lot of door to door because in West Fargo, you have to get 300 signatures. So I went out in January and February, was knocking on everybody's doors and I got a lot of face to face interaction. And my plan was once I got my signatures done, I wanted to do some in-person meet and greet greets type things with small groups of people and of course I wasn't able to do that so I kind of had to change my thinking okay uh, how can I get my message out how can I you know again make people aware of who I am as a candidate so I really was very active on social media so that became a huge platform for me and so I reached out to as many residents in West Fargo as I could you know got their opinions on different things you know did a lot of interaction and communicating that way. So that was a big part um, that I hadn't necessarily thought would be as big of an aspect. Um, and then I, I also had flyers made up that I wanted to go door to door and talk to people and you know beyond um, you know even getting my signatures. And so I debated what to do with that a little bit. What I ultimately ended up doing is I still passed out my flyers, but I didn't, you know, I wasn't knocking on doors necessarily. Mm -hmm. I was leaving them, you know, under, under door mats or, you know, yeah. if I did catch people in their garage, I might just talk to them a little bit at a distance. Or I even talked to a few people that saw me coming to their door, like through a glass door. Yeah, we just talked yes. to each other that way. So a little, little different that way. But, um, I felt like overall, you know, it, it, 
I did the best I could in this situation to, to get my message out. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure a challenge, though, <laughs> to be yeah. able to connect with people when it's you have to be physically distant like that, definitely. Yep. So you might have heard Arlette and I were just talking previously here that, uh, you know, this might change the landscape of how campaigns are conducted, you know, even in our region here. How do you think this will affect future campaigns? I mean, not just yours, but any political candidates, Fargo, West Fargo, Moorhead area. Mm-hmm. What do you think that's going to look like? You know, I think that social media aspect is going to continue to be really important. So many people engage that way and um you know i think making that a bigger part of of your campaign in the future uh, i also was able to do some you know radio talk shows and whatnot and i think that helped to get my message out so that was a great way to to be able to communicate with the public too um, without having to do any face-to-face right yeah i'm sure all those are going to be on the rise it'll be mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how people kind of pivot and use different mediums to get their message out absolutely um speaking of our community uh since you just kind of jumped into public service in this mm-hmm. way recently what advice do you have for others that are looking to get involved in the community here or thinking about running for office maybe sometime in their life yeah so you know i honestly now having done it for a while i have i have mixed feelings about it a little bit so it's like you know if you're really passionate about your community there's certain issues you really want to get involved with you know if you just really have a desire to serve i'd absolutely recommend doing it but there's a lot of things you need to expect going in that i didn't necessarily expect um you know the campaign process is such a roller coaster of of emotions you know you're mm. there's some days you're you're feeling really good and you feel like you have a lot of support and there's other days you're just you honestly kind of down in the dumps because yeah. you feel like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not getting my message out. I'm not able to contact, you know, right. communicate. And so there's times you're really low and you, you're, you start getting a lot of criticism from the public. So that's something I've had to learn to deal with is no matter what you say, you can't make everybody happy. And that's kind of frustrating because even though a lot of people might support you, you're going to have people contact you and just honestly, you know, say some pretty nasty things sometimes. So that's something you have to learn to deal with and be prepared for going in. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure, you know, being on the commission, you're closest yeah. to the people. This is the service that's right by the people. So yep. I'm sure you get to hear a lot of a lot of different complaints, but hopefully some praises sometimes too for all the work you guys are doing. Yep. Um, so I know we, we chatted a little bit before this started about how jumping into this position during a pandemic, there's a lot of surprises. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what would you say is your biggest surprise now that your campaigning's done, you've been elected? What would that be? I think the biggest surprise is it is still fairly stressful and maybe part of that is for me being new but with all the issues we have in our community it's it's a lot more than i was necessarily expecting because when i first started you know the issues were you know relatively dull i gotta be honest you know (laughs) as far as approving plats and that kind of things but you know with everybody's really heated right now with emotion and you have to try and and look at that and deal with that and and figure out what's the best way to do things even with everybody's strong emotions so that's you know, just, just dealing with that is, is just the, the biggest thing, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And again, during this time, that's yep. uh, something that I think a lot of different communities, even around here, are feeling. So yep. um, kind of pivoting a little bit, going to some policy areas, um, the exciting part, right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> now that we've gotten to know you a little bit. So there is a lot of information centered around the sustainable development within West Fargo 2.0 plan. So can you break down just some of the key segments of it for us? And then, you know, of those different items in the report, which do you think will bring about the most positive change for the city? So something that they really talk about a lot is the revitalization of our downtown West Fargo area. And we've, we've 
started um, doing a really great job as far as there's a lot of great mixed-use buildings but that Epic has started putting up and I think that's really exciting. Um, we're going to have the new Bell Tower that's going up. We have the VFW MIA Plaza that's going up. So we've got a great jump start on this, really revitalizing the community. Um, I just actually had a meeting on this not, uh, just, just before I came here as, as far as branding that section of town. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that's going to be really great for um, this area of the community. And we're gonna approve this hopefully on Monday. I mean, I don't know for sure if it will be approved, but it, I'm gonna guess it might be. And, and the new brand is gonna be called The Yards, which oh. I think is exciting because it's gonna become a destination then. So when people come into the area, they'll be like, oh, have you visited The Yards yet? And oh. so that area is gonna be a really cool mixed use, you know, where we have the apartments, we have, you know, the businesses, the coffee shops. You know, I'm hoping now that that area will be branded, it will really bring in a lot more businesses and a lot of people will want to build there and develop there because it's going to be the cool place in town to be. So I think that's going to be really good for business and really good for the community. Yeah, that does sound like an exciting part of town. That'll mm -hmm. be, for the future growth, that'll certainly be a, a big important step. So that's yeah, awesome. Absolutely. So then another kind of area, and this is kind of pivoting working with the other communities as well and something collaboratively, the Cass County Career Workforce Academy. Mm -hmm. So understand the commission approved um, an investment into that recently. Um, and that really demonstrates the city's commitment to workforce issues of our region, which is great. Uh, the chamber also has this topic as a project priority. And, you know, what do you think now are other ways that you can engage as the cities? in part of this workforce solution for a region. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a really exciting collaboration that with the Workforce Academy. I personally felt that that was really needed. Um, you know, getting people more skilled in the trades is so important because that's what they talk about. We're having a lack of people skilled in the trades. Plus there's a lot of people, you know, as they're going through school, don't necessarily feel like college is the, the right choice for them. So I think this the Workforce Academy will absolutely be great. And I think as far as the city goes, I think, you know, really, really trying to help emphasize, you know, job options that people have beyond, um, you know, what people might think of. So, you know, maybe doing a career fair or even if it was an online type career fair option and not just for kids, because I think, you know, a lot of times it's targeted at high school students, but being targeted at adults as yeah. well and getting information out there so that adults know or have an idea of different career paths they can go and how to get educated in those career paths. So if the city maybe help, you know, an online type career fair type thing, I think it would be good to help move the city forward and help create, you know, get people skilled um, at jobs. Yeah, that does that does sound like a good opportunity. I know the chamber's working on some workforce initiatives for kind of workforce exposure, and that certainly sounds like what you're talking about. Okay, of, absolutely. Yeah, getting to yeah. getting to get out to the masses and let them know what opportunities there even are, so that they can you know match their skill set to those different areas. A hundred percent agree. Yep. Yeah. So then, you know, talking more about the regional approach of our communities and kind of maybe broadening the scope, just as the city, as a commissioner at West Fargo now, I mean, how do you think you can collaborate with neighboring cities to support this, you know, greater regional prosperity? Yeah, we've done it some already when we combined with Fargo for our water and sewer. I think that was a really smart option. Um, West Fargo used to have well water and we just got too big to have that as a source anymore. So I think combining with Fargo was a great option. We just don't have the tax base to support building our own water and sewer treatment plants. So I think collaborating was a great idea. And I'd love to see this collaboration you know, continue with as much as possible. I know the fire department is talking about a collaboration with Fargo as far as doing some sort of training facility that's metro wide. And I think that would be a really great idea. I don't think we need have separate facilities for everything so I think collaborating with those types of things as much as possible will be the smartest uh, most responsible um, way to move things forward 
Right. Yeah. Sounds great. I mean, the chamber, obviously, big regional approach, too, with being Fargo Moored West Fargo. So Mm -hmm. we definitely support that regional approach and a regional thinking to Mm -hmm. our community and how we um, set things up. So that's great to hear. So now that you've been elected to the West Fargo City Commission and um, you've what have you, I guess, identified as your top priorities? I'm sure right now COVID's kind of taking it, it the center is. stage, but you know, what would you yeah. say overall, even yeah. long-term maybe? You know, when I was running, my, my major platform was to work on how to end special assessments. And so this is, this is something that the community has expressed to me as being their top priority is, is they feel like how they're being special assessed um, is unfair. Now, I think everybody understands you have to pay for infrastructure somehow. So the, the problem is then how do you fairly pay for infrastructure across the board? So this is something, even though you're right, COVID has kind of taken the, the top spot, yeah. <laughs> I'm still trying to work on options you know, and as far as ending specials, when we're talking about revitalization of infrastructure, I don't know that we can necessarily end it, but I'd like, I'd like again to make it more fair so that, you know, if there is a road that everybody living on that road isn't necessarily solely responsible for paying for that, because it just gets too expensive for so many people, especially in some of our older parts of town. So I think for me, you know, everybody drives on the roads, everybody uses the water and the sewer. So if we could make that you know, almost a regional area in the city, like where people are collaboratively paying for this. So it's more spread out and not just a small area getting forced to take the brunt of the payment. I think that would be a better plan than what, than the way we're currently special assessing. So this is something I'm still trying to work on and move forward with is, is how to pay for infrastructure. Um, you know, and beyond that, of course, then, you know, the COVID issues are definitely, definitely taking center stage and how we deal with that. And, you know, how we, you know, masks versus no masks and events versus no events and just, you know, businesses being open or closed. And of course, those have become the top issues right now. So. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, we can we can see that on, you know, both sides of the river and mm-hmm. both Fargo, West Fargo as well. Um, kind of going to the special assessment assessments conversation that mm-hmm. you just brought up with that being one of your uh, main areas or top priorities that you're looking at. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do you see that starting, that conversation? Do you see it kind of being, you know, a bubble up from the community doing something or more from your perspective, some internal meetings in the city or or what ways would you see that there'd be a proposal coming from that? So I've I've been talking with a lot of the city staff. I've also been talking with the residents and I've been talking to a lot of people at the state level. And it's, you know, one thing that I proposed is doing more of like a user fee type thing as well. And a lot of people really like this idea, you know, say everybody were to pay, I'm just going to throw out a number like $40 a month and that were, you know, would cover roads. And then you wouldn't be special assessed for roads ever again if you were to pay a user fee. And a lot of people like this idea. The problem is at the state level, they don't allow it. So it's mm-hmm. against the law to do that. So, you know, I've worked with a couple of, of local state legislatures, legislators that are have proposed this idea and are going to continue to work with that as well so i think really collaborating with both the city and the state level if we want to move forward in that direction but then unfortunately you have people that are like well that's not fair we have our specials you know we shouldn't have to pay for other people and i do understand that as well it's a really big problem and unfortunately we should have started a user fee type thing a hundred years ago (laughs) when our city you know was just starting to grow to spread that out so you know trying to correct for this is is a big issue. The other thing is when it comes to new construction, this I think would be an easier solution is um, the way we're special assessing new roads is, you know, the developer will come in, they want the streets, the water, the sewer to be special assessed. So basically the city takes on the debt and then it's special assessed back to the residents of that new neighborhood. So, I mean, I understand the local people in that area should be the one to pay for it, but what I would suggest instead is 
I think the developers need to take that responsibility. And, you know, they if they get the loans to pay for the infrastructure, then they can pass that out into the cost of the lot. And I honestly think that would be better for everybody. Most communities in the country do it that way. And, you know, some people are like, well, the cost of the lot will be more expensive. It will be, but it's ultimately it's it's going to be less for the buyer in the long term because when the city gets involved, they add additional um, fees on top of it and they add higher interest rates. So you're actually going to pay more. Plus that is now it's just taxes you're paying and it's not part of the value of your property. So if you have forty or $50,000 of special assessments on your property, which is pretty common in the new parts of town, none of that is value. It's, it's just money that's going out the door to pay for the infrastructure that you'll never see again. Or if that was part of your lot, if that forty dollars or $50,000 was part of your lot, now it is value when you pay for it. And to me, I see that as a better option. If you have to pay the money either way, why not make it value into your property? So that, that I see is one that is maybe a little easily um, solvable than the revitalization aspect of specials. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on where you take this. And it sounds like, yeah, you might uh, state and local kind of collaborations and stuff. So we'll certainly mm-hmm. keep an eye on where that goes. Mm-hmm. Um, so then you also brought up, you know, the masks. And like you yeah. said, COVID right now yeah. and that whole thing going on, right? Yes. Um, so we recently saw what Fargo did. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think for West Fargo, what is the city's role? You know, what, what do you guys think that you should be doing as the city in light of this pandemic? You know, I am really, really big on personal freedoms and personal liberties, and I don't feel like it's the government's role to mandate that, especially in West Fargo. You know, if you live in a bigger city like New York City or something, you know, where there's very dense population, then it's a little bit different. But, you know, we live here, I think a lot of people, because it's not, we don't have that type of density. We're a little more rural, and I don't feel that the government should mandate on that on us. I feel like if, if you want to wear a mask, great, absolutely do it. If, if you're a business, you absolutely have that right to dictate if you wear masks or not. And I think the majority of businesses in town have mandated that and it didn't need to be a requirement from the government. So I think that allows individual businesses and individual people the freedoms to require it or not to require it. But I, I don't believe the government should mandate it uh, either way, uh, at least not here in West Fargo. All right. So then kind of switching, I guess, uh, a little bit from from that point of view and, you know, masks, COVID and Mm -hmm. special assessments. Just overall, what is one Mm -hmm. thing that you want listeners to walk away with from this episode knowing? You would think the biggest thing is I'm always willing to listen to the people. You know, every single message I get, every email, every phone call, I'll talk to anybody. I'll visit with you, you know, if you want to meet on coffee, if you want to have a Zoom meeting, whatever. I'm totally willing to always listen to what the people have to say. And most of the time, you know, what people tell me plays very, very heavily in how I vote and and the topics I decide to bring up. Now, I can't promise that I'll agree with people all the time because I don't (laughs) um, always agree, but uh, I will least listen to what everybody has to say that's great to hear yeah we we absolutely appreciate you listening and lending an ear when the chamber wants to talk to you and i it's great to hear for our listeners that they can reach out to you directly too so that's uh that open door policy is really helpful for for all of us so thank you for uh, maintaining that as you start your role as this commissioner Thank you. Thanks again for sitting down with me today, Mandy. I really appreciate your time. And thanks again, Arlette, for joining us, too. Um, Two women elected to their respective roles in Fargo West Fargo on the commission joining us today. Thank you both, and uh, have a great day. Thank you. You too.